Hello everyone, and welcome back to the History of Middle-Earth podcast. Coming to you from the Minas Tirith archives, my name is Phil, and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle-Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by David Markland. Thank you so much for your support. So again, each week, our goal is to cover a new person, people group, or location of Middle-Earth and just go into as much detail as possible and the topics will follow along with the chapters of the book sometimes a couple topics per chapter all depending on how in-depth it goes and this podcast also follows along with another podcast so if you haven't already be sure to check out an unexpected podcast a chapter by chapter reread of lord of the rings Uh, by Ezra and Lane. It's a super fun, super awesome podcast uh, where they go deep into each chapter of the book uh, with a good breakdown. This podcast then picks the main person, place, or thing of that chapter, or really location, not so much thing, um, and we just find out more about them or that place. After each story, we will be going over your questions you send in. Uh, So you have something that uh, you've always kind of been wondering about or you want answered on the show, Uh, There's a few ways you can uh, ask us. Uh, The first one is just a direct message on Facebook, our Facebook page, uh, Ministry of Archives, History of Middle Earth. You can also ask it in the group, the History of Middle Earth podcast group. Or you can send it to our email, which is ministryofarchives at gmail.com. And again, no stupid question, and we will get it answered for you on the show as soon as possible. And one last warning again before we kick off today's episode, for those just joining us, is that it's not a spoiler-free podcast. And for those who haven't seen the books or, or wow, haven't read the books or seen the movies, um, we just kind of go from the very beginning to the very end of that person's life or the history of that location, and it covers the War of the Ring era, which is what the Lord of the Rings is about. So if you haven't seen those or read those yet, uh, we will be going over that time frame and drawing out probably a bunch of spoilers, just a heads up. All right, so to start us off, we're going to go over the upcoming week in Middle-earth history. Uh, Today is Tuesday, July 16th, and today is when Gandalf was leading all the dwarves uh, through the, the story of The Hobbit, and... And in the year 2941, uh, they were captured by the goblins during the night. Wednesday, July 17th, Bilbo kind of wakes up and gets lost in the caves down underneath. In the year 3018, kind of jumping back into the Lord of the Rings again, Gandalf is still being held prisoner at Isengard uh, by Saruman. Frodo continues to prepare to leave the Shire for Rivendell. In 3019, Eomer returns to Minas Tirith. And Friday, July 19th, the funeral of King Theoden sets out from Minas Tirith to Edoras. And the last day we'll do is Sunday, July 21st. The there's a kind of we'll combine some days here. Uh, Saturday, July 20th is the day that Gandalf and his company reach Bayorn's house in the early afternoon. The 21st, they are still at Bayorn's house. 
and Monday, July 22nd of 2941 is when uh, they all set out in the early afternoon from Bayorn's house. Alright, so for a chapter recap. In chapter 2, we find out that the magic ring Frodo has is actually the One Ring that is said to have been lost for hundreds of years. The Dark Lord Sauron was going to stop at nothing to get his ring back, and after his forces captured and tortured Gollum, they were able to get out enough information from him to know that the ring was not only in the Shire, but possessed by someone with the name of Baggins. I looked everywhere for the creature Gollum, but the enemy found him first. I don't know how long they tortured him. Amidst the endless screams of the name Babel, they discerned two words. Uh, something that I'll actually kind of touch on later in the questions, but we find out in this chapter that I thought was really cool, was how the ring slowly brings the bearer under Sauron's control. And if you are familiar with Harry Potter, or more specifically Fantastic Beasts, you may know that Nagini is what's called the Maledictus. And that's someone who has a blood curse that destines them to permanently turn into a beast. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, every time they transform into their animal form, it gets harder and harder to transform back until eventually they can't. This is actually exactly how we learn that the One Ring works. Every time the bearer uses it, it gets slightly harder and harder to take off. Eventually, the user just loses all control and is so consumed and corrupted by it that they are actually stuck in the Wraith world and come completely under the control of Sauron. Just thankfully for Bilbo, and he actually rarely used it, so he was, you know, fairly safe. And same with Frodo, too. Alright, so now on to our main topic for today Mr. Frodo Baggins. Frodo Baggins was born in the year 2968 of the Third Age and was the son of Drogo and Primula Baggins. Now, Frodo's parents died by drowning in TA 2980 when there was a boating accident. Most already know that hobbits can't swim, as we see, especially in the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, when Sam almost drowns trying to chase after Frodo. Some say it was murder gone wrong, where the boat ended up just tipping over, which left both of them in the water without help and unable to get it flipped back over or make it back to shore, but no one really knows and it's a lot of speculation. Poor Frodo was only 12 years old at this point, but thankfully he was later adopted in TA 2989 by his 99-year-old uncle, or cousin really, Bilbo Baggins, as his heir. Frodo then lived with Bilbo at Bag End up until Bilbo moved to Rivendell, where Frodo inherited all of Bilbo's things, including his magic ring. Much of Frodo's youth was spent at Brandy Hall in Buckland, the ancestral home of the Brandybuck family, including his mother, Primula Brandybuck. Of course, Frodo was known as something of a rascal as well, befriending Meriadoc Brandybuck and Peregrine Took, known as Marion Pippin and causing trouble wherever they went, often stealing mushrooms from Farmer Maggot's farm out in Bamferlong, which was located in the marsh region of the Shire's East Farthing. 
and if you need more details on the Shire, you can check out our previous episode. Frodo and Bilbo grew very close in the following years. Frodo learned much of the Elvis language during his time with Bilbo, as well as much of the lore of Middle-earth. The two shared the same birthday, September 22nd, by Shire Reckoning, which is actually around September 12th to the 14th of our calendar today. A big party of special magnificence was held at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring when Frodo came of age of 33 and Bilbo hit the peculiar age of 111. Before departing for his journey to Rivendell, Bilbo had a long conversation with Gandalf, who finally persuaded him to voluntarily surrender the One Ring to Frodo. Bilbo left it on the fireplace mantle with a note for Frodo, who would now become the next ring bearer. Gandalf, ever more curious about the ring's origin and the power, advised the young hobbit against, the use, against using the ring until he could learn more about it. And for the next 17 years, Frodo complied with the wizard's request and hid the ring in a safe place. However, on April 12, 3018, Gandalf returned to Bag End and warned Frodo that the ring was actually the One Ring, which the evil lord Sauron needed to rule over Middle-earth. Realizing that Sauron would be looking for the ring, Gandalf advised the hobbit to secretly follow Bilbo's journey to Rivendell. After Frodo's discussion with Gandalf, a rumor started that he was running out of money. This rumor, although not begun by Frodo, was encouraged by him. Merry helped Frodo to purchase a small house at Crick Hollow, with the exception of his gardener, Sam Gamgee, who had agreed to accompany him to Rivendell, Frodo told the other hobbits of the Shire that he intended to move on to Buckland. He sold his home to the Sackville Bagginses, and on September 23rd, 3018, the day after his 50th birthday, Frodo left from Bag End, taking with him Sam and Pippin. They left early in the morning for Bree, and just in time, as Sauron's most powerful servants, the Nine Nazgul, had entered the Shire, dressed as riders in black, searching for a hobbit with the name of Baggins. Early on in their adventure, they cut through the old forest and the Barrow Downs in hopes of losing the Black Riders, which did succeed. However, they met other troubles in those places, though, at the hands of Old Mound Willow and the Barrow Whites, but were rescued twice by Tom Bombadil, who was a mysterious being who dwelled in a glade in the middle of the old forest. On the night of October the 6th, the hobbits were attacked by five of the nine ringwraiths at the hill of Weathertop. In the presence of the Nazgul, Frodo made the mistake of putting on the ring. He was able to resist their attempt to take him by drawing his sword and invoking the name one of the Valar, Elbereth Githoniel. Unfortunately, the leader of the Nazgul, the Witch King of Angmar, stabbed Frodo in the shoulder. The Witch King was actually going for his heart, but Frodo kind of moved making it go into his shoulder. Had the blade caught him in the heart, Frodo would have become one of the Naz- or not one of the Nazgul, but just like them, only weaker and under their control. The ring race were driven away then by the appearance of Aragorn and his skill in the blade, also because he had torches, which fire was one of their very few weaknesses. Though Aragorn was a skilled healer, he could not heal Frodo's wound. A fragment of the ring race blade also remained in Frodo's flesh, where it continued to move towards his heart. Near death, or worse, Frodo was rescued by Glorfindel, an elf lord, who put the injured hobbit upon his horse named Asphaloth. 
They were pursued by the Nazgul as, as Faloth carried Frodo to the ford of Bruinen at the entrance to the Valley of Rivendell. Once they had crossed the river Bruinen, Frodo turned and saw the Nine Ring race on the other side. They ordered him to give up the One Ring, but Frodo refused. Subsequently, the ringwraiths were washed away in a flood called up by Elrond, the leader of Rivendell. Frodo was then healed in Rivendell by Elrond, although both of them knew that the wound would never fully heal, as it was as spiritual as it was physical. On October the 24th, 3018, Frodo awoke in Rivendell and was reunited with Bilbo, Gandalf, Aragorn, Sam, Merry, and Pippin. Although Elrond had healed his wounds, it continued to bother him for as long as he lived in Middle-earth. After his healing and the Council of Elrond finished by building the Fellowship, on December 25th, the Fellowship of the Ring departed from Rivendell and headed south. Through Moria and many other locations, the Fellowship started to deteriorate and eventually broke, losing both Gandalf and Moria and Boromir at Almond Hen shortly after he tried to take the Ring from Frodo. After leaving what remained of the Fellowship at Amenhen, Frodo and Sam tried to navigate through the winding paths of Emin Muil. After getting lost several times, they were found by Gollum, who at first tried to take the One Ring, but was captured by Sam, with Frodo's help, and tied up with the elven rope given to them by Gladriel. Frodo, now pitying the creature, decided not to slay Gollum, but forced him to swear an oath of servitude to the Master of the Precious. Gollum then led them out of the maze and into the dead marches. Gollum led the two hobbits to the Black Gate of Mordor, as Frodo had desired, but stopped the hobbits from passing its doors, as the danger would have been too great. He then explained about the secret way into Mordor, up the stairs and through the tunnel. The hobbits once again found themselves being led by Gollum. After venturing into Athelion and witnessing a skirmish between a company of warriors from Harad, Along with some massive olifants and some rangers of Gondor, they were apprehended by the ranger's captain, Faramir. When the skirmish had ended, Faramir blindfolded the ringbearer and his companions and led them into Heneth Anun, the window on the west. Upon much interrogation, Samwise foolishly misspoke and gave away that Frodo was indeed carrying the one ring. Realizing the importance of the quest, Faramir proved his quality, unlike his brother Boromir, and let the ringbearer go free. Later, Gollum was captured in the Forbidden Pole and forcibly taken into the Hidden Lair. Frodo begged for his safety, and he was not killed, although the rift between master and servant had once again begun to open. Gollum led the hobbits past the lair of the Witch King of Agmar, Minas Morgul, and up the stairs into the tunnel. When they arrived at the top, though, they were abandoned by Gollum. They were cautiously traveled through the tunnel and managed to get to the end, only to find their way barred by Shelob's great web. While attempting to cut through the webbing, Frodo bravely stood up to Shelob and forced her back further into the tunnels, giving him and Sam time enough to hack through the threads and escape. Upon escaping the tunnels, Frodo thought himself safe. However, Shelob, through one of her many tunnels, managed to sneak out and jab him with her stinger. As he was being encased in Shelob's webbing, Samwise was able to draw her into single combat, where he, using Sting and the file of Gladriel, was able to mortally wound her and drive her back into the caves. Sam took the ring from around Frodo's neck, and upon hearing orcish voices, hid behind some nearby rocks. 
He overheard the orc speaking of Frodo, and Sam realized that his master was actually not dead, but just merely paralyzed. Frodo was then taken to the Tower of Kirith Ungol to await further torture and questioning. Frodo was taken to the utmost top of Kirith Ungol and imprisoned. He was stripped of all his clothes and all of the things he was carrying. Squabbling over his mithril vest, fighting broke out amongst the two lead orcs in their battalions, killing almost all the orcs and orcai in the tower. Sam arrived at the gate of Kirith Ungol, only to find his way blocked by the two watchers. He eventually overcame them, journeyed to the tower where Frodo was held, and rescued his master. They fled the tower, having to pass the watchers again, although this time they destroyed them, and they entered Mordor finally. Frodo and Sam crawled onward through the empty plains of Mordor, as the orcs had been sent to the Black Gate to stop the men of the West's army, and after falling in and out of the company of orcs, started to climb Mount Doom. They journeyed on for many days with hardly any food or water, and Frodo became progressively weaker as the ring's power over him grew the closer they came to Mount Doom. Frodo was eventually unable to go on, and Sam was forced to carry him a fair distance while his master rested upon his back. It was then that Gollum decided to reappear, and after a brief struggle, Sam cut Gollum in the stomach, and Frodo fled up the mountain. Inside the crack of Mount Doom, Frodo finally had the chance to destroy the ring and rid himself of his burden once and for all. But the power of the ring was at its strongest due to the proximity to Mount Doom. It was here that Frodo finally yielded to the temptation of the power of the ring. Sam yelled for Frodo to destroy the ring, but Frodo was overcome by its power and claimed the ring for himself. We also see this happen with Isildur, who didn't have the ring for very long, but had it in the worst possible scenario you could have it, where the corruption was at its highest. Right then, Gollum attacked Sam, who fell and hit his head on a rock, temporarily knocking him unconscious. When he came to, he saw Gollum fighting with an unseen foe, Frodo, just wearing the ring, and Gollum bit off Frodo's finger, ring and all, and was finally reunited with his treasure, but for a short time. While dancing with joy, he toppled off the brink and fell into the depths, destroying himself and the one ring. The two hobbits tried to escape as the volcano erupted. Just as it looked as they were doomed, Gwaihir, the lord of the eagles, saw them, and with his eagle companions, Landreval and Maneldor rescued Sam and Frodo, and they flew them to safety. After recovering in Minas Tirith and witnessing the coronation of King Aragorn, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin all returned to the Shire. When they arrived, though, they found it under the control of a man named Sharky, which was the name given to Saruman by the hobbits. Saruman was ruling the Shire from Bag End, although he was later murdered by Grima Wormtum. Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin, however, started to gather all the sheriffs and townsfolk in the Shire, and they successfully defeated the ruffians employed by Sharky at the Battle of Bywater. Frodo wasn't directly involved in the fighting at the Battle of Bywater. Instead, he made sure that no hobbits were harmed, saying that no hobbit had ever intentionally harmed another in the Shire, and that it was not going to begin there, and also that any ruffians that surrendered were not harmed as well. Frodo briefly served as deputy mayor of the Shire, but soon realized that he still bore the wounds of his quest, and so retired. He was also in continual pain from his shoulder wound, which pained him each anniversary of their stay on Weathertop. 
on September 22nd, 1421, of the Fourth Age. At the age of 53, Frodo joined Bilbo, Gandalf, Elrond, Galadriel, and Círdan aboard an elven ship. He was allowed passage across the sea to the Undying Lands as he was a ring bearer, with the hope of the damage to his spirit that bearing the One Ring had caused. Sometime after the year 61 of the Fourth Age, fellow ring bearer and best friend Samwise Gamgee reunited with Frodo in the Undying Lands, where it is presumed they live out, lived out the remainder of their days. And there you have it, the history of Mr. Frodo Baggins, our beloved ring bearer who did one hell of a job. And next week, we will be going over Master Samwise. Alright, so on to listener questions. Now, the first one is less of a question and more of a clarification. So we recently had a poll asking, which Dunedain ranger would you want to serve under? And there were two options, Faramir or Aragorn. There was a huge amount of people that voted in this, almost just under 500. Uh, and the total came out to 83% said Aragorn, 17% said Faramir. And there are a couple of votes in the comments that were saying both. And there were some other comments that were uh, asking about the Dunedain ranger part of the question and how that pertained to Faramir. Well, Faramir stems from the House of Huron, who were of high Numenorean descent. And also through his mother, he was connected to the princes of Dol Amroth, and he was part of the Dunedain of the South, which started as all Numenorians, and then they kind of intermingled with other people, so it was only kind of partial by his time. They were ruled by the first. their first independent king uh, was Maneldil, who was the nephew of Isildur. And the blessing of the Dunedain faded with time, uh, which is why Faramir wasn't as long-lived as, you know, someone like Aragorn, who was much more directly connected to them. And they were also directly connected to the rangers of the north, or Dunedain of the north. But again, at the time, not every ranger was a Dunedain, or had that, you know, Numenorean lineage. Faramir does, though, fall into that category, and we see this mentioned a couple times throughout the books, and even Eowyn actually brings it up too uh, when Faramir is asking to marry her because she basically was like, it was kind of looked down upon or frowned upon for someone of Numenorean descent to marry outside of that because it's kind of like tainting the bloodline. And Eowyn was asking him about that and was like, you know, what are people going to say? Or will they allow it? And Faramir is basically like, I don't even care. I just want to marry you. And there's a couple other one or two other spots in the book um, where it's mentioned, but we do know that Faramir is one of the very few rangers that is left that also has that bloodline that connects back to the old Numenorians and Dunedain. The first actual question comes from Terry Disdes. I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I probably butchered it. But her question is, I'm also curious if the Nazgul are connected to the ring. Would anyone who mastered the ring control them, or are they just servants of Sauron? Well, only Sauron can actually control the ring, because he was the one that made it. Outside of that, the ring controls you. And this kind of goes back to that reference that comes from about halfway through chapter 2, 
about how the ring just kind of slowly corrupts you over time, making it harder and harder to take off until eventually you're just under Sauron's control because it's now completely taken over you. Um, so basically, to answer your question, the Nazgul are very connected to the ring, the One Ring, because that's the one that Sauron used to corrupt and control them. And they're now full servants of Sauron because he controls that one ring, which controls them. Second question, uh, it's kind of a few questions in one, which is fine, comes from Ginny Smith. She says, I would love to know more about the Nazgul. Like, what do we know about the process of how they became what they are? And how much control do they have over themselves and their minds? Like, do they have free will or does Sauron pretty much control them completely? Also, how did the fell beasts they ride come about, and how did they gain control of them? I know I we will be doing an episode on the ring race coming soon, and we will go into a lot more detail then, but I know I also promised you, Ginny, that um, I would give you a little something to hold you over until then. So, the men were the only ones that of all the rings that went out, the men were the only ones that kept theirs and... You know, like it says in the movies, took them without question. And while everybody else eventually kind of figuring out what was going on, either lost them or destroyed them or, you know, took them off, basically. But the men did not. And at that point, Sauron made his ring to control all the others. And thanks to Celebrimbor, Sauron found out who had the rings and where they were and basically got a lot of details from him because he was captured and tortured him for two years, uh, if I remember that timeline right. I believe it was two years, yeah. And so that's why only the men ended up being corrupted. The men became totally his slaves and are completely under his control. They have no chance of returning or being fixed, quote-unquote, especially since, you know, they died long ago and are just spirits now anyway. You know, kind of what I was saying in the last question Sauron has complete control over them. They're basically nothing more than nine little puppets for him. As for the origin of the fell beasts, there's a bit that's unknown. Um, nobody knows for sure exactly like they came from here. Um, but what we do know and what is said is basically that they were an ancient beast from the Elder Days that Sauron basically took in and kind of bred and, you know, corrupted and mutilated and turned into these evil-looking dragon things and made them his own and then gifted them basically to the Nazgul to help them complete their quest of finding the One Ring. All right, so that is all the questions we have for today. Um, if you do want more content, feel free to follow our Facebook page, Minister Earth Archives, History of Middle-Earth. Uh, we have a bunch more content there that won't make it into the podcast later on, so maybe something you're looking for in particular may be on there. And we are on Instagram now as well, at History of Middle-Earth Pod, because History of Middle-Earth Podcast is too long, apparently. And we have a Facebook group now that you can go and share stuff and talk with some other listeners as well and kind of get a Lord of the Rings fix for in between the episodes. We also have our Patreon tiers all set up. Uh, thinking about adding another one, but I'm not quite sure yet. Anyway, for those who haven't checked out our page already, we have four different tiers. The first one is a Citizen of Gondor. The second one is a Soldier of Gondor. Third one, Ranger of Gondor. And the last one is a Citadel Guard. 
Um, if you want more information on those, you can head to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash home podcast, H-O-M-E podcast, and check out the details there. And that is all for this week's episode. Again, if you liked it, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know how we did. Also, let me know if you guys want me to combine um, different episodes. So like next one, instead of doing just Mary or just Pippin, just combine them to do Mary and Pippin in one episode and start doing that with most of the episodes just to kind of make it a little longer and find some find some things that are similar and just combine them that way our episodes are a little longer and have a little more time to them i don't know if you guys would like that or you like the short and sweet episodes let me know in the group or wherever how you guys feel about that and i will do what i can to make it happen also don't forget to check out unexpected podcast and last quick reminder our email is ministerwitharchives at gmail.com you can send in your questions there, post them on the Facebook group, or PM them to the main page. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope to see you back again next time. Until then, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to the History of Middle-Earth Podcast. When Frodo came to, he's Gollum then. Mm.